Welcome to Term Talk, an FJC video podcast. This podcast is one of several short videos to acquaint federal judges with this term's Supreme Court holdings. With me today are Dean Erwin Chimarinsky of the UC Berkeley School of Law and Professor Evan Lee of UC Hastings Law. Evan and Erwin, thanks for talking with me today. Let's turn now to SELA uh, Law versus Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The court is divided on a number of questions that were raised by this case. But Erwin, why don't you tell me first, how did a dispute between a law firm and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau become a Supreme Court case? This involves a federal agency that was created as a result of the Dodd-Frank Act. And it's headed by a single director, and the director is protection from resident removal. The CFPB, as it's called, investigated a law firm, SELA Law, CELA Law engages in debt relief work, and the CFPB wanted to get information from it whether it was violating certain federal statutes that exist to protect consumers. The CFPB requested this information from CELA Law, and CELA Law refused to provide it. CFPB then sued CELA Law to gain access to the information, and CELA Law said that the CFPB was unconstitutional because it was headed by a single director couldn't be removed by the president except under very limited circumstances. There were really a couple of issues before the Supreme Court. One was with this structure, having a director where removal is limited violates separation of powers. And second, if it is unconstitutional, is it severable with the rest of the statute? Or does it make the entire Dodd-Frank Act unconstitutional? And the Supreme Court held that the limit on removal was unconstitutional but it was severable, so the rest of the act survives. Okay. Well, is this the first time Congress has inserted a termination for cause-only provision into legislation that created an agency? Not at all. There are many federal agencies where the heads of agencies can be removed only for cause. There was a very famous case involving the independent counsel that said individual could be removed only for cause. This is by no means the first time the Supreme Court has ever considered Congress's ability to impose such limits. So are there other agencies, you think, that are structured this way that are now at risk for being challenged? There are other agencies that are structured this way. There are also individuals within agencies, like the head of Social Security, or the general counsel of the National Labor Relations Board, where there's protection from firing. And I predict we're going to see challenges to these as well. So, Evan, what role did severability play? After the court had determined that this one uh, discrete aspect of the statute was unconstitutional for violating separation of powers, the question then became, does that infect the entire statute? The argument, uh, obviously, was uh, that it did. The court said, no, no. Uh, the normal presumption is in favor of severability, that if one portion of the statute is found to be invalid, that um, the presumption is Congress would have wanted uh, the rest of the statute to be saved and, and go on um, if that were to happen. Here, the court said there wasn't sufficient evidence to show that Congress had an intent uh, for the for the entire statute creating the uh, CFPB to go down with the ship, if you will. Um, uh, quite to the contrary, the court said uh, there was a severability clause included in the legislation. The court conceded it was a boilerplate 
uh, severability clause, but certainly the, the the mere fact that it was a boilerplate wasn't affirmative evidence of non-severability, and therefore the court uh, stuck with the presumption in favor of severability. Okay, but do you think the um, dissent affects the future analysis in this area? The dissenters, um, among other arguments, um, said that uh, they surveyed history and they said, look, throughout modern history, um, the court has allowed these two elected branches, Congress and the president, to work out between themselves how much power uh, the president is going to have with respect to unilateral ability to remove agency heads, uh, that it really comes down to um, almost individual statutes and maybe even individual heads, that sometimes uh, Congress uh, is happy to have the president replace somebody at will, and other times Congress might, for example, insist on consultation with uh, you know committee chiefs. So I think um, the, the dissenters here say, why not allow this give and take between Congress and the president to go on? Because after all, every time the court steps in, as in this case, and says, nope, we're going to draw the line here, the court is um, imposing its own standard. I mean, the, the, the textual peg for, for separation of powers in this area is the take care clause. That's a pretty Spartan peg to be hanging, you know, an elaborate series of uh, of, of rules um, about who may be removed at, at precisely at what time and for what reasons. Okay, so so I mean, maybe just to sum up your thoughts, um, what do you think the takeaways are for the district courts? I think this is a decision that's going to be very important for the district courts. First, I think for any agencies where there is a single person who exercises substantial discretion and there's limits on presidential removal, we're going to see challenges coming. Second, I think even for multi-member bodies where there's limits on removal, we're going to see requests for the Supreme Court to reconsider earlier decisions. The Supreme Court here said those cases involve multi-member bodies. This is a single individual. But the dissent says hard to articulate a principle of separation of powers that would explain that. But finally, and most important, I think that this case is part of a Supreme Court that wants to have much more judicial control over the administrative state. They want to allow much more presidential control over the administrative state. So I expect we're going to see revisiting of many of doctrines, the non-delegation doctrine, the Chevron doctrine, and so on. And so I think this is part of that recalibration of the relative roles of the courts, the president, in the administrative agencies. Do either of you have anything else you'd like to add? I think it was, again, uh, rather striking that uh, the argument was urged on the court here that, well, there are several uh, agencies whose directors uh, stand um, on equal footing with the director of the CFPB. Uh, and so if this is unconstitutional, they're all unconstitutional. And that includes the Office of the Special Counsel, uh, the Social Security Administration, the Federal Housing Finance Agency. Rather than using the traditional kind of judicial, uh, you know, oh, well, those cases are distinguishable for these reasons, the court says, yeah, but those are modern and they're controversial. So we're not going to be controlled by them, which sounds 
like uh, an opportunity for enterprising people to challenge the directors of those agencies in court? Well, based on what you both said, I think we're going to see more of this case in the future. Um, Thank you for talking with me about it, and I hope to see you in person sometime soon. Thank Thank you. you. Likewise. 